Sending you a warm autumn welcome to the Breaking Script podcast with Lella and Nini. This is where we explore the glimmer-filled world of Hallmark movies and the occasional Asian drama. Our cinematic self-care sessions bring us even more joy this fall because we get to do this together with you. So let's get this therapeutic adventure started. Welcome back to the Breaking Script podcast with Lella and Nini. I'm Lola. And I'm Nini. And I want to say happy Canadian Thanksgiving to all the Canadian and American listeners out there. Yes, it's very early on. Woohoo. I don't know. I I can't imagine Thanksgiving any other way. <laughs> I love it. So like today is actual Thanksgiving. Is it always on a Monday? It is always on a Monday. So like people eat today. So like, do you guys get Friday and Monday off? Uh, schools, a lot of schools give the Friday and the Monday off, but Monday is a statutory holiday. Um, a lot of people like my family will celebrate it either on the Saturday or the Sunday. We usually celebrate it on the Sunday. That way we can get together again on the Monday to eat leftovers. That's so fascinating. My mind it's is lovely blown. and <laughs> no Black Friday here though. Yeah. Like so then you go back to work the next day? Tuesday? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. It is not as big of a holiday as it is yeah. in the States. Yeah. It's not as like, oh, let go and have several days in a row where we're like checking out. No. But happy Thanksgiving, Canada. I'm so happy. I have all the fall feels for you today. Okay, Lala, I know you love shopping and I know mm-hmm. you love a deal, but this is what is contributing to my fall feels today. I got this soft fleece flannel plaid <laughs> Sherpa lined. I don't know what you call this. I don't know why I don't have a name for it. Yeah, a shacket. It's my I first love it. ever shacket. And it looks so warm and cozy. It totally is. It's like my extended glimmer for the week. And even better, well, first of all, a friend found it for me. Guess how much <laughs> it cost? How much? Five dollars. <laughs> that is a steal because inflation is crazy. Nothing is five. The dollar store is five dollars now. I, so that is yeah, a deal. I just don't even understand. I mean, they went so fast. Like, they were literally gone within an hour. I don't know what they were thinking. I think they're making space oh for Christmas inventory. I don't even know what's happening, but it made my day. So I have all the feels. I even, like, it made me so excited to wake up this morning before the sun went out. I went and sat on my deck, all wrapped up in my cozy jacket <laughs> that's plaid for the fall. My dog was with me. It's just, anyway, Aww. all the fall feels so happy thanksgiving my gift to you all you canadians celebrating thanksgiving is that we get to review my favorite movie i'm so excited. i know i'm so excited i'm so excited as well but i'm also nervous because <laughs> it's my favorite movie and i'm like not sure what you're gonna think of it so Shall oh, I cannot wait yeah i cannot <laughs> wait to get into this movie i have so many things to say introduce today's movie please so today is none other than nini's favorite movie it was always you 
Give us that summary, Nini. I know it's going to be a good one. Okay, well, it takes some like explaining because it stars Aaron Krako, who's better known as Elizabeth from When Calls the Heart, which is like, how did they choose her to be Elizabeth in this movie? Also, I don't know, but we love Aaron <laughs> Krako. And of course, I cannot believe this is a new-ish podcast. And I think, is this our third Tyler Hines movie? This is our third Tyler Hines movie. Um, it's no secret. I love Tyler Hines. And I just have to mention the writer in this movie her name is Kathy this was her first script but Kathy shout out to Kathy can you please write more scripts this was a brilliant script if you watch some behind the scenes about this movie um, you will hear just how brilliant the writing is in this movie we're not even getting to the ratings I haven't even done the plot summary but you know how I feel about the writing okay let's get down to it are you ready we open at a dental appointment as Elizabeth which I can't figure out is the hygienist where she, the dentist, chats with her patient about her upcoming wedding to her childhood friend turned fiance, Dr. George Belly. The patient shares his six-week adventure in South America with his wife ziplining hiking through it all for their honeymoon and suggests they do the same. But when asked about honeymoon plans, George scoffs at the idea of an adventure. He prefers to stay close to home and their dental practice. He quips back, do you even know how many people lose their lives every year from ziplining? When Elizabeth says no, he says, I don't either, but I'm sure it's a lot. And Nini's pretty sure that George and her dad are BFFs. We learn responsible Elizabeth has meticulously planned their entire week visiting George's family down to the minute, including an engagement party at George's family home on a quaint, beautiful island and a birthday party for George's mother and all of the appointments that are required for the wedding planning. She details some of the changes and George is so pleased with her meticulous scheduling. Elizabeth's friend Abby makes conversation with her as she's packing. She asks about George's globe-trotting brother David, who Elizabeth hasn't seen in many years and feels like she wouldn't even recognize him if she saw him, and his sister Louise, who is an award-winning artist. She mentions that when she was younger, Elizabeth dreamed of traveling as a little girl, but she decided to settle down and it's for the best because George hates anything new or adventurous. En route to the island where George's family home is located, Elizabeth convinces George to make a quick, quick stop at a lively oyster bar called the Flying Otter. He complains about the germs, but Elizabeth wants the key lime pie. They find out you have to eat three dozen oysters in order to get the pie. You can't just order it. Clearly, out of their element, they quickly leave after Elizabeth is served a beer instead of a glass of Chardonnay. Arriving on the island, George's eccentric sister Louise can't find her keys. She's rushing to pick up David from the airport. Diana, their mom, points out that all the party supplies were just delivered by the mailman, Eugene. That is actually for a surprise birthday party bash for Diana, and Elizabeth accidentally spoils this surprise with her detailed itinerary. Elizabeth tries to play it off like the boxes are for the engagement party, not for the surprise party. Diana promises to act surprised at said surprise party. We learn Elizabeth lived across the street growing up, always escaping to the Bellings' warm household. George's dad built the kids a treehouse. And George reminisces and says that he's sad that his dad passed before seeing his success in his dental practice. Elizabeth leaves to go pick up ice cream for the birthday party. She has an awkward reunion with David. She goes in for that awkward hug as David gestures for her to come over and he asks her, so how did George pop the question? Elizabeth answers, well, we were sitting in the break room in the office. We get along great. We're very similar. It just seemed like the most logical time to do it. 
David gives her a look and she says, you know, thank you, David, for understanding life doesn't need to be a romance novel. David gives a sarcastic response back. He teaches at a school in Mumbai. He will leave to go back right after the engagement party. As they're struggling to pay for the ice cream, he mysteriously has Elizabeth's childhood lucky rabbit's foot. She has no memory of this. They clearly did not get along as children. And when Elizabeth asks how he got it, David shares a story from their childhood when they all went to the movies together, Elizabeth and David and his siblings. David was accosted by security because Elizabeth had reported that he was talking and being a disruption. Elizabeth says, I'm so sorry I annoyed you that day, David, and looks incredibly exasperated by it. She asks if he remembers the hundreds of annoying things he did on a daily basis to annoy her. He doesn't remember, but he says it sounds plausible and encourages her to get all those things off her chest now. She mentions many things and is so specific as to mention what happened on July 4th of 1997. He suggests that maybe she should let that go. At the surprise birthday bash, David takes the blame when Elizabeth is ready to confess that she's the one that reveals the surprise party. As Diana goes around saying how she's so proud of her, all her children, Grandma Vivian tells David that he needs to settle down, insisting love finds you when you least expect it. When George is called away on a dental emergency, the overscheduled Elizabeth panics about completing wedding tasks solo. David walks George out as he leaves, and both brothers are stumbling through polite chit-chat, not fully understanding one another's lifestyles, but wanting to be supportive of one another. That night, Elizabeth's deep slumber is abruptly disturbed by blasting music at 2 a.m. She goes downstairs to find a free spirit, David, who's still on Tibetan time, and insists on dancing and asks her to join. She, of course, refuses, but then he proceeds to pull a prank by faking a peanut allergy. She's frustrated, mortified, begs him to leave her be, preferring to be two ships passing in the night. But there was a storm that night, and now George is stuck on the mainland after a storm because the bridge is damaged. It will take a week or maybe two weeks to fix. How will the button-up Elizabeth survive a week alone with a rule-breaking David? Elizabeth storms off after a frustrating conversation with David, who's talking to Tilly the dog, instead of telling Elizabeth directly that there's a storm. And George was stuck. David goes after her and finds Elizabeth walking down this highway-ish looking two-way, two-lane road. And she's apparently walking to the forest and insists that she let him drive her to the wedding appointments. He says, please let me do it for George. Elizabeth gives in and insists that David stays in the car and not say a word. At the wedding cake consultation, a button-up Elizabeth meticulously describes her poised, perfectly vanilla, six-tier, sugar petal, and pearl wedding cake vision. But David interrupts, joking that she wants others to see her as vanilla when he knows she's a vibrant Neapolitan Sunday deep inside. Elizabeth admits always playing the responsible one, and David says, well, someone had to be responsible and refers to him as the crazy that acts out. Elizabeth says that she might be tired of being the responsible one and wants adventure, so David busts a Yui and takes her to the Flying Otter. David is shocked that Elizabeth has only been to the lively oyster bar once despite growing up on the island. Soon they're doing oyster shots together to earn that elusive key lime pie Elizabeth wanted so badly. They earn their pie and have a cute intimate moment where David wipes the cream off Elizabeth's lips and they have a conversation about if David has ever been in love or thought about getting married. David deflects by inviting her to dance and just let go, to the point where George calls and Elizabeth ignores the call to keep dancing and David is encouraging Elizabeth to continue to let go and break those rules. 
Louise's art studio is breathtaking with waterfront views, and we learn that Louise has had two broken engagements in the past. Elizabeth offers to take leftovers over to George's grandma, who delights in her company. Over tea and cake, Vivian shares with Elizabeth how she fell for her husband, Lou, despite already having a boring, perfect on-paper boyfriend. But with Lou, she explained, she had that unexplainable Z. She had weak knees every time her husband held her. She says David and Elizabeth remind her of that special zing between mismatched couples. A flustered Elizabeth quickly says, um, you mean me and George? And Grandma gives this mischievous look, playing dumb, and says, that's what I said. Elizabeth and David have another intimate conversation reminiscing about his dad and favorite memories of the dad reading to them as they were children in fun character voices. Elizabeth asks David about his travels and how he plans where he goes. She's clearly curious and wants to live an adventurous life too, but David is wondering the opposite. He says he wonders what it would be like to be that important person for someone else and is longing for it. Then David finds a book that has Elizabeth's writing in it about where she wanted to travel when they were children. Elizabeth had gone in that library and stuck it in the book in secret, but David watched her and followed her and found it and read it. She reveals that she never got to travel and he says, well, maybe there's a piece of her missing too. There's a piece of her in that list. Elizabeth deflects and says she needs to call George. Louise tells David that he brings out a different side of Elizabeth. She's less Elizabeth and more Lizzie and a lot lighter with David. And she says, I bet you regret those years you didn't get along because Elizabeth had lists. David was dancing and carrying on. They thoroughly annoyed each other, but they're adults now and they've moved on. Louise says, good, David. Finally, you and Elizabeth have found that thing. Grandma Vivian talks about, you know, that zing. David is disturbed and says, uh, no, I got a zing with nobody. Grandma Vivian was talking about her and Grandpa Lou. Lizzie and George have zing. It's an off the charge zing. I got no zing. Elizabeth goes to the TV game room that night wanting to watch her show, but she finds David watching the old Western. He agrees to watch Elizabeth's reality dating show with her only because that's the night the guy's supposed to propose to the girl he chooses. As they're watching, David says, it's so not romantic. The guy doesn't believe what he's saying. Elizabeth quips back, so how would you romance the girl then? David proceeds to give an answer that is surprisingly satisfactory to Elizabeth, to the point where she's moved by his words and looks like she's stopped in time. Cut to the next day, David is sitting on the ledge of the treehouse playing guitar. David asks Elizabeth to join him and she says, no thank you, we have wedding appointments to get to today. They get to the store, equipped with scanners for the wedding registry. David confesses he doesn't understand wedding registries at all. What's so perfect about a white plain plate? He suggests she scan the golden flying pigs for her registry instead. A reminder that anything is possible, and they're cute and fun. He remembers Elizabeth as a kid who finds a joy in the little things. He brings up a ring that Louise gave her when they were children. And Elizabeth doesn't remember the ring at all, but she loved the box and she still remembers that. And he remembered that. A time when Lizzie believed in unicorns. He says he's going to hold on to the memory of the little girl that still believed in unicorns. His statement gets to Lizzie as she's staring, conflicted at toasters and breaks her own rule and list by scanning the two slice toaster without a crumb tray instead of the four slice toaster with a crumb tray that she and George originally wanted. She still finds a joy in little things in life like the crumbs. She starts scanning things not on her list, including a rabbit toilet paper dispenser. She gets scan happy, scanning all random things and accidentally scans David. There's an awkward moment, they get quiet and move on. So at the DJ appointment, romantic lighting music sweeps Elizabeth and David up as they slow dance when the DJ steps away. 
Overcome by the mood to the song, How Can I Live Without You, Elizabeth rushes out in a fluster after she was clearly weak in the knees, claiming she needs to walk home where she left her list. She actually walks herself over to the flying otter on her own and babbles to Sandy the waitress about David and George. She felt like she had her life figured out. Everything was written on lists. Sandy pities her and brings her the piece of pie without having to down the oysters first. Lizzie is realizing she didn't know she could go weak at the knees until today. In a quick scene, Louise gives Eugene, the mailman, a kiss on the cheek. Then cut to Lizzie still flustered. She's at the treehouse solo, trying and struggling to climb up the rope ladder. David shows up and interrupts her alone time. She is irked. She thought she was alone, and he says he thought they were doing wedding stuff. She's determined to climb the ladder herself without suggestions. She's frustrated because so much has changed since the bridge went down a few days ago. Before that, absolutely everything in her life was smooth. But seeing that book and what she wrote down about wanting to travel and the places she never got to travel to really disturbed her and made her reflect that she and George just worked too much. David says small things are really the big things. With new resolve, Lizzie climbs the treehouse, enjoys the view, which includes David. Cut to Lizzie and David back to back, comfortably cozy on a couch, watching David's Western together, sharing a moment when they are abruptly interrupted by Louise announcing that George is returning tomorrow. The bridge is fixed. That moment is cut short by the electricity going out. Lizzie and David go down to find the circuit board together and Lizzie is exploring all the old boxes from Louise, George, and David's childhood. She finds one of David's boxes that is full of travel books and souvenirs. David quickly asks for one of the books that Lizzie pulls out. Another intimate conversation ensues about where Lizzie wants to travel to. And if George wants to travel, what if George doesn't want to go to Paris? David says, of course George would want to do what Lizzie would want. So what does she want? She hesitates. She doesn't know. And then she says, with resolve, she wants to go to Paris. What will people think? David says, sometimes people around you aren't going to understand your journey. It's okay. They don't need to. It's not for them. And then he says the most profound thing. Lizzie, maybe no one has ever told you this before, but it's okay for you to choose your own happiness. They exchange lingering looks, which is interrupted by the electricity coming back on, and they say goodnight. After Lizzie leaves, we see David open the Italy travel book he asked Lizzie to hand to him. The next day, a newly enlightened Elizabeth suggests spontaneous world travel to George, but he balks at the idea. Focused on work and the dental conferences and conventions coming up, a deflated Lizzie acquiesces to their boring status quo. She asks if they could dance, and they dance awkwardly, and Elizabeth begins to realize they lack that can't-fake-it scene that Grandma Vivian talks about. At the engagement party, while chatting up the guests, a wise Grandma Vivian emphasizes the importance of short engagements, giving everyone awkward pause. Clearly, Elizabeth and George have had a long engagement. David invites everyone to dance, but George says no thank you, so David invites just Lizzie to dance. And the music, of course, abruptly changes to a slow dance song that is interrupted by an announcement. No, sorry. But the music abruptly changes to a slow dance song. They share a moment that Lizzie clearly recognizes as Z. When the dancing is interrupted to announce desserts, there's a shot of David and Lizzie's hands lingering in a hold from dancing. Lizzie interrupts a group conversation where George is telling a dental joke. She asks for a private conversation to talk about the past few days. She explains to George, You have to understand, I was a lonely girl who came from a broken family, and one day a wonderful family moved in across the street. They were fun and loving and kind and so welcoming to this little girl. And since then, Lizzie's been trying to replicate this perfect family and perfect life. She's had this one goal and one plan for how to get there. But in the last few days since this bridge was broken, she's discovered that life takes us to an 
unexpected places and perhaps having a plan for happiness isn't the same thing as just being happy. And George says, but I need to have a plan. And she says, I know, I used to be that way too. But she realizes she needs to find out who she really is and what makes her happy without a plan. They part ways so sweetly. George says, is there anything I can say to change your mind? And realizes, well, if I have to convince you, then there's probably no point. And Elizabeth says, thank you for making every day we had together so perfect. Lizzie walks out and overhears Mom and Louise say that David is gone. And we don't get to see what happens afterwards. Fast forward a year later, we see waterfront views and views of the Seattle Space Needle. Abby, Mom, and Louise are reading postcards from Elizabeth. She's clearly in France, indicated by her beret, when Elizabeth gets an invitation to Louise and Eugene's wedding. Cut to the wedding where we see Eugene and Louise dancing next to a vivacious Dr. George Belling and Denise, the dental hygienist, as Elizabeth looks on from the sidelines. David sneaks up besides Lizzie and they both wave at Louise and Eugene and George and Denise and they watch on the sidelines together as everyone else dances. Lizzie says she wanted to write David too, but she didn't know where to send the postcards. David doesn't respond and quietly offers his hand and leads her away from the wedding tent to a romantically lit waterfront view. He breaks the silence by saying he tried writing her too, but a very long time ago, and he hands her that Italy travel book they found together. There's a list inside written by David that says, I don't know what any of these places are, but if you want to go, I want to go too, but only with you swoon. He confesses he was 13 years old when he wrote that note and was hoping that one day she would find it, but she never did. And he says to her, you once asked me if I've ever been in love. The answer is just once. And I never stopped. For me, it's always been you. And you'll have to watch for the rest of his lines because he goes in for the kiss, but she asks him to dance with her and they just fit. He cuts the moment by saying he thought his line would have gotten him a kiss. And that's when they go in and end with the most epic Hallmark kiss that lasts long enough for three different camera angles. But wait, there's more. This movie ends with a cozy scene of Lizzie and David together in the treehouse watching Lizzie's reality show and making out finito laughing. Amazing. <laughs> Super long, but you guys, so my favorite. You can just feel the heart behind your summary. <laughs> I love it i can't wait to break it down so let's hear the ratings i mean can i already guess what yours are gonna be <laughs> so we rate the writing the characters how funny it was and what our overall rating is so nini yes what did you give the writing i mean it's my favorite movie i didn't even have to write <laughs> down the ratings <laughs> I told you, Kathy, we need another script. And honestly, <laughs> even if you hear um, the behind the scenes when mm. Tyler and Aaron got the script, if you hear interviews about it, they're just so surprised at how well done the script was like in the yeah. first reading. Because um, mm. that's not always the case when it comes to Hallmark movies. So it has a big 10. It's just not as narrative as as other Hallmark movies like it's not so like descriptive they leave a lot to the imagination like I don't, it's just so clever witty I'll share more when we get to the what's love got to do with it but yes it's a 10 okay I gave it a nine <gasps> I gave the writing yeah. a nine yeah yeah I I did um again we'll get into the reasoning behind these ratings but what did you give the character rating I mean 
It's Elizabeth. Is it a is it a 10 across the board for you? <laughs> Do you even have to ask? I mean, that is first of all, it's Tyler Hines. And it's right. Elizabeth. And her name is Elizabeth. I mean, and we'll get it again. I won't get into it here because I've got to give it to you in the breakdowns. Um, but yes, I obviously there isn't a whole lot of character development outside of Lizzie and David. But yes, absolutely. A 10, a 10 for the actors, a 10 for the the character development for the main leads. And I mean, Paula Shaw, who played Grandma Vivian, is a legend. Mm. And she was absolutely hilarious and killed it in this movie. So those are my three favorite characters in this movie. I gave the characters a nine. Um, I thought they had great chemistry, but I just have one question for you. Does uh-huh. Tyler Hines have chemistry with everyone? Like, <laughs> I feel like he just has this ability to connect so well. I know, right? With his love interest. Um, and then obviously Elizabeth from When Calls the Heart. And it's so funny because to me, this Elizabeth is the same Elizabeth, just the 2000s version. Right? Of Isn't when it amazing? Calls the Heart Elizabeth. <laughs> Okay. She's literally the same character, but modern. Yes, but I loved her makeup. Like, I loved her look because she's in yeah. a lot of other Hallmark movies, too. And mm-hmm. I have to say, the way she plays this character is my favorite version of her. Mm. Um, And which kind of takes us to the next section. Can we get just move on into the laughs? What did you rate it for yes. the laughs? Um, I... I I gave it a seven. It was funny. It was funny. Um, and maybe I'm being a little bit too harsh in this section. Okay. You know what? I'm going to say 7.5. I'm going to 0.5 it up because <laughs> I thought it was funny. I really did. But yeah. I wasn't rolling on the floor. For sure. A hundred percent. But I will say for me, it's a 10 just because I love this movie. And, and it's not <laughs> written to be a rom-com. I think the fact, and it's also because of That's how much why, background yes. information I know about Hallmark is that a lot of times, especially the more comedic actors and the more playful ones like Paul Campbell, Brendan Penny, um, they talk about how they try to get more jokes in and they just keep cutting mm-hmm. them out. And so mm-hmm. like the one part where um, David's dancing with Lizzie and you know she had just broken a rule, she ignored George's call and he's like, now you're a rule breaker you're going straight to prison he didn't think they would keep that in he thought they were going to cut that out so it's stuff like that like little stuff just his like he's a lot more um Tyler's a lot more playful in this movie than any of the others and the fact that he could lean into that really made this movie and obviously Grandma Vivian's hilarious also so that's for the laughs now overall overall I gave this movie an 8.5 it's almost okay. a nine. We will talk about why. I, I'm just going to say oh. this was an emotionally polarizing movie for me. <laughs> uh, there is, you know, there is one part of me that loves these two together. And can I say, I know this is our third Tyler Hines movie. I was not a huge fan of Tyler at the beginning. Didn't not like him. I just wasn't like drawn to him. Yeah. And then he started growing on me. But after this movie, I feel like I'm a Heine. He did such a good job. 
Um, I wanted these two together. Yes. And we we can we can break this down. Yes. But I think the dynamic with the brother involved. Yes, yes, for sure. And I have to say, I mean, let's just go with it. Our first segment, we have four categories of breakdown. What's love got to do with it? Where we talk about glimmers, which are the opposite of triggers. If you need to go back and listen to our first preview episode to hear all about glimmers and triggers, please do. But we also talk about what we love and break down romantic and family relationships in this segment. Mm -hmm. I have to say... This movie grew on me. So I'll be honest. The Mm. first time I watched it, it was just another Hallmark movie. Gotcha. After I listened to podcasts about behind the scenes, because Tyler will say in a lot of his interviews, like he can't do the scripts where it feels like there's low-key cheating or overlapping relationships. Like he he feels extra, extra sensitive to those things. So when he got a synopsis of a, like just a description of this movie, like a brother takes his brother's fiance, like, yeah, absolutely not. But then he said it was the first script he got, which Aaron Krako said the same thing. Like they were so curious. It was the first script that they were like on the edge of their seat. Like, how is this going to be a kosher Hallmark movie with this synopsis? And because of that, I'm like, oh my goodness, it was brilliant the way that they did this and real, like there's no other way. Anyway, we'll talk about that. But did you want to get into, do you want to talk about like the little glimmers first? Did you have glimmers to talk about? I loved where this was filmed. It was stunning. The house was gorgeous. The location everything yes this felt like they spent more than two million dollars on this movie yeah well this This, house is used a lot in hallmark movies (laughs) okay but honestly it was beautiful even i don't know if it was a different film rate there was just something that felt more cinematic yes than all the other movies yes it was beautiful like my it captured my attention from start to finish. Yes. Loved it. Yes. So like that's a big deal. Absolutely loved everything. Yeah. Okay. I will say the only thing I didn't like, I know this doesn't belong here, <laughs> but was Elizabeth's bangs. Okay. Did they bother I you? Just, I just wish she didn't have bangs. I don't know why. Okay. Really? We'll move on. I, I don't need really to- <laughs> loved her bangs. I felt uh, like her just... hair color and her bangs are so cute because she doesn't always have them. And I just, I loved them. I, I don't know if that's just maybe me, that but... Maybe that's why. She doesn't, I don't know. Uh, anyways, okay. Differing of opinions there. <laughs> what, well, um... yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved it because she felt like a completely different character. Like, I hear what you're saying. There's like wisps And maybe that's what they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, okay. That's why I loved it because I'm like, I hate watching the Hallmark movies where it's like the same leads and they're like the same character in every movie. So I really sure. love that she felt a little different thanks to mm. the things. But I do have to piggyback because for sure, can we talk about those waterfront views? It was my first glimmer. Um, and I will, hot tip, can, I'm going to give you a hot tip here. Um, if you go to Tyler Hines' Instagram, because <laughs> <laughs> obviously I have. Um, he has BTS reels from almost every single Hallmark movie he's made. Really, but it's like super artistic. There's mm. he does his pictures of him for like fan service, but he actually hates putting up pictures of him. And so in these reels, 
it's like just behind the scenes from each movie and for it is always you or it was always you excuse me i just got the name of the movie wrong <laughs> um it's all it's just views it's like so meditative it's like instrumental music it's so calm uh, when i first came across this movie i was still very much needing to do like a part of my um, brain rewiring training protocol and part of it is where you do future visualizations. And to be really honest, like this is what got me looking for those landscapes in Hallmark movies, because in these future visualizations where you're just trying to like bring your brain to calm, a lot of times they encourage you to like, you can have pictures of landscapes up. So it could be like beach views yes. or for me, it's usually either a beach view or like a mountain lake view where like the water's mm -hmm. really still. And I mean, come on, this movie had so much of that. So it really did. It it actually looks like where my family has a cottage. Um, It's very similar. Wow. And it's my favorite place. It's my happy place. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you where you go in your mind as well. Um, So it had this nostalgic feeling to yeah. me. And I think that's why I felt very endeared to it. And like I've always said to my husband like if we could sell our house and move somewhere on the lake like that's my dream to totally. wake up by the wall there's something so peaceful okay I have to switch to something that I loved that made me actually lol out loud okay. like I laughed so hard I thought this was so clever it was the teenage DJ <laughs> and how he's like doing the um uh -huh what is it the demo in his bedroom but you don't realize it's his bedroom until his mom starts calling and then he like leaves in his room set up as like a mini event space hilarious. oh I thought that was hilarious so clever right um, it was really funny I I did really laugh yes, at that part. stuff like that I don't feel like is in a lot of Hallmark movies no like, no it's so delightful it, it could have easily teetered on the line of being cheesy but I think Tyler yeah. has along with his ability to just have chemistry with yeah. everyone he yes. has a role with uh -huh. he has this natural ability to take what could potentially be a very cheesy scene mm -hmm. and make it not cheesy make yeah. it believable make it funny yeah um so I loved that. I, yeah. Well, I think even with this script, I don't know that any other lead could pull it off. And when Erin mm -hmm. first got the script, she's like, this was written for Tyler, right? Like she even instantly <sighs> knew. Um, okay. I have to say one more glimmer, which is a big one. Um, I love tree houses. Yeah. I had this friend in elementary school who had the most amazing tree house in her backyard. Not only that, but they had, this is like in LA, you guys, they had an amazing tree house, a beautiful backyard, which is very rare to have a large backyard. And they had these amazing grapevines, like wow. next to this tree house that had these, I think they were Concord grapes. I don't know why I'm remembering that, that just like you would pop them out of their skin and they were a lot sweeter than grapes at the store. And her grandparents owned a house across the street. They always hosted our class, like, end-of-the-year swim parties. Hmm. I'm guessing you guys probably didn't have those. <laughs> um, it took me a long no, time we, to realize we, that's an LA We did. Thing. We were 
No, we would. It would yeah? just be cold when we were swimming. Oh. <laughs> People would have to pay extra money to turn on their heaters in June. <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, they definitely, well, also, that's not a thing in the Midwest. No. And school ends a lot later in Canada, like oh, almost in July. That's so true. So. That's so true. Well, yeah. They had the cutest koi pond complete with a bridge mm. that you walked over to get to their pool that had a slide. And it was very rare back then to, to see pools with slides. And they had like a super cool vibey pool house with an arcade game or a pinball machine. Wow. So this made me realize, I think I enjoy certain Hallmark movies because they give me glimmers in and of itself. But even more so if they remind me of bigger glimmers from my childhood. Oh, Yes totally right like if mm -hmm. I have some sort of personal connection like I did with Roadhouse Romance it's like oh and if I relate to the lead and their journey it's what makes me actually love the Hallmark movie more it's it's a personal thing and children if you're listening I confess I always wanted to provide a house that had like the pool and the tree house and all the feels boy did I fall short but that's okay we've still had amazing core memories all right let's move on what is your favorite other part or breakdown? Uh, two things. Uh, okay. I'll start by saying that David slash Tyler, whatever we're calling him. Yes. Um, he belongs in both the healthy <laughs> and maybe contributing to the unhealthy, unhealthy a little bit category. But I think he really gives Elizabeth sound advice. I mean, he really sees her for who she is and the weight of responsibility yeah. that's on her shoulders um and he you know tells her it's okay to chase her own happiness yeah and she did really need to hear that I really resonate with Elizabeth's character totally. and sometimes my inability to let go and just <laughs> have fun or not schedule fun not create a plan yeah. um and I thought he did a really beautiful job of just picking apart that outer shell that she yeah. had and getting to this like inner child and who she really is. Yeah. Um, and on the other side, in general, just appreciative towards Hallmark that they wrote the script that Elizabeth and David didn't travel together mm -hmm. and that she would have been repeating the pattern she had with George just yeah. with David yeah. um, and she was finally doing her it herself although I don't know how I feel about traveling the world alone specifically for safety reasons I've seen taken way too many times <laughs> um, but I do love that she did it and that when her and David came together, it was a year later and yes. so much had changed. You know, George yes. was with someone else. I appreciated that there was that long. It wasn't like six months later or three mm -hmm. months later or right away. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that that was a good call on Hallmark on the writers. I love it. You said it so beautifully. I don't, I'm not going to try to expound too much it's just I love that this is the Canadian Thanksgiving movie and that it perfectly is the epitome of the name of our podcast it is a movie about self-discovery and breaking script going off script from what you've had planned in life so I so yeah. related um to Elizabeth's character also because we're similar in that aspect of like 
yeah liking to have things planned and being in control um but yeah and I say I related I mean I went off script by the time I was 19 because you know I'm Asian so for most Asians you're you're you know I'm pretty sure I knew by the time I was three or four that I was expected to either be a doctor or marry a doctor not many other scripts Mm. besides that but I will say I love and this will kind of bleed over into the next section but I think it was good that you saw this journey of Elizabeth realizing that George was just familiar but familiar Mm. doesn't mean vulnerable or real and I thought that was incredible and I also loved grandma and grandpa Lou's relationship and how it was described like how how she sounded still so in love yeah after years and years that was so precious but there's really no other character development or relationships to break down here so shall we move on let's do it our second segment is the ayah don't go chasing waterfalls and just so it's not confused this is where we break down unhealthy behaviors and coping mechanisms and sometimes but only sometimes the omo omo nardar is brought out in this don't go chasing waterfall segment but not always did you pull it out here uh i kind of did i was i i i had this feeling that it was coming okay go ahead I, i'll let you take it i think first. george is terrible <laughs> i think he is i i mean i i'm no therapist and i don't want to diagnose anyone but i think he might have some ocd in there too yeah like, yeah that that doesn't make him terrible he's just very rigid um i'm i think what really stood out to me was the interaction that he had with elizabeth when the bridge was built and he or r- bridge was repaired and he comes back and you she's had all this self-discovery she's had all this time with david and she's telling george that she wants to travel and he is just diminishing everything that she is saying and she's feeling. Mm-hmm. And then she, which I can only ima- put myself in that situation if someone was doing that to me. And then I like go out on a limb and ask them to dance, which I feel like totally. for me would be something very vulnerable. Yes. Um, and he clearly doesn't want to. Yeah. I just, it felt very much like this dominant parent-child relationship mm. and you see her get almost like revert and power a little bit yeah. like I didn't see that at the beginning it felt very much like they had this partnership lackluster chemistry they right. were great at working together and then you just see this dynamic and it was like a big like I think you've got a problem buddy and also the fact that he was clearly got like eyeing that hygienist or dental assistant yeah before he came I'm just like this is why I feel like I could justify (laughs) Tyler slash David get getting together with her even though it was George's brother like to me that's kind of why I feel like it's okay yeah it's okay because George is a terrible person. It's true. If this happened in real life, we'd probably be like, yeah, no. Um, Even a year wouldn't be enough time from a broken engagement to being with your brother. But you're right. You're right. If if George didn't have Denise, we probably wouldn't be okay with the storyline. 
it's only because there's happily ever afters for everyone that we feel okay. Right. I will say here, I didn't actually bring out the Omo Omo Nardar only because I think this is a really great example, especially for those of you who are on this journey where it seems really confusing and you're trying to chase a diagnosis. Mm. It doesn't matter. It's almost like I, I cannot tell you the number of women I come across, whether it's in a romantic relationship or corporate or um, in ministry or other family relationships where it's almost like you're chasing a diagnosis to see if the person has narcissistic personality disorder, which mm. is a very specific uh, diagnosis in the DSM. There's nine different distinctions, um, but it's very hard to actually diagnose someone and what I found is the diagnosis actually doesn't matter it doesn't validate you and I feel like that's really important for people to hear what's important to recognize is look at the unhealthy behaviors and look at how you and your body is responding to it yes so here it doesn't really matter um to me I love how this actor played George to me he seems a little Asperger's which I know now Mm. is under the autism spectrum but for those of you who remember the Asperger um, diagnosis where someone is really focused on one subject and they are so good at it and are socially awkward I like for me when I'm looking for like a really good neurologist (laughs) I always expect them to be a little bit Asperger's or you're probably not as good and it is it does it looks very similar that's where things can get really confusing it it can Hmm. look similar to someone with a narcissistic personality disorder but there's a difference in how you can be Asperger's but not a narcissist so anyways I just want to leave it at that wow Um, I I, honestly I learn something new every day that is really good insight but I get it I get why you would you would bring that out because no she's he's not um helping her be the best that she can be. And when she's in a relationship with him, she's already someone who cannot identify her own wants and needs. So they're not good for each other. It's, it's bad both ways. Um, and I think that's something that I've learned in my own relationships is I think she was with him because he was familiar. Mm -hmm. And for me, it took me so long to recognize familiar for me isn't good. I'm still coming out of that dark night of the soul and recognizing, ooh, if it feels Mm. familiar, it's very likely that there's some red flags there because comfortable is not good for me. The only other thing I wanted to say is uh, George, like a lot of his decisions seem to come from a place of fear. And Mm -hmm. I think we all have those people that make decisions or are, I don't want to say ruled, but swayed by by fear you don't realize how much that relationship can also create and grow fear within you and I I don't want to do things in life or not do things in life because of fear and I was talking to my a lot to my therapist about this because I noticed and and I I think it may be like as you get older you become more risk adverse uh but I just noticed that I was not doing things because of fear and I had a lot of these voices in my life and she she gave me a really good response to say to these people because essentially they're not going to stop giving you that advice. And, and she just said to me, your response should be, I understand there are always possibilities of that happening, 
but it is highly unlikely that it will happen. And once you say it's the truth, there's always the possibility, but it's actually really highly unlikely. And it helps you stop people. I think once you begin to say that over and over, it's a nice way to be like, hey, I'm not going to be ruled by what you think you're afraid of. And that's been something I've had to learn. And I think Elizabeth, whether or not she realized it, was probably being ruled a lot by fear. And that was what was keeping her in that safe place. And I think George was the somewhat of the cause of that. So I'm happy again, just points for David. Like totally he brought out the fearlessness within her. And I loved that. I a hundred percent relate. I had to go through like a decade long journey of realizing what I thought was wisdom was actually scarcity thinking and fear. Right. Mm -hmm. I have a friend who has an incredible message about how, especially for Christians, you can um, mistake uh, fear for wisdom. You think it's wisdom, but it's actually fear. So good. It's Um, so true. So 100%. And I think the same thing goes for, and I'll be honest with you, when when David told um, Elizabeth, like, if no one's told you before, it's okay to chase your own happiness. I had this knee-jerk reaction of like, oh my gosh, that's hmm. so wrong. Because we all know it's Jesus right? first, other second, you last. Um, <laughs> but I think we misunderstand. We misunderstand those situations in which oftentimes, like in an airplane, you have to put your own mask first before you help your child, which seems so backwards, but it's so necessary, right. especially for, you know. Recovering people pleasers who may overextend themselves. Don't mind our pre-episode conversation where we shared stories. Um. <laughs> or today where we just talked about all the things. That How we, we say just yes did to. that this week. Exactly. Um, so anyway, that can be an addiction too, because it comes from a place of where we feel like we're not doing enough and we never aren't enough. So it's one of those core childhood wounds. I have one last one that I debated whether or not I should bring it up. Should I just go for it? Go for it. Okay. It's one that wasn't really spoken about a lot, but when the word was said, I was like, oh, I want to address it. Hmm. When Elizabeth says that she was from a broken home, Hmm. and I feel like there are a lot of people who are moving away from those words now, but I just have to make this statement. Because I feel like it can be healing for some people out there. I want you to know the divorce isn't what broke the home. Mm. Because something else broke it already. The divorce decree was just the paperwork that was like the death certificate. It's like calling time of death. And for some people, divorce is actually their deliverance. It's survival and it's life-saving. And I have to say, Mm. it's not just for the obvious domestic violence situations. I cannot even tell you how much more damaging psychological abuse can be. So can we please stop talking about and highlighting the rate of divorce? It drives me nuts because I'm like, can Mm. we talk about the rate of abuse and what Mm. not teaching healthy boundaries does? Because that very much directly affects the rate of divorce. So anyways, Uh I just wanted to put that out there. Let's move on to Aigu Oi with the poodles already, where we talk about plot holes, continuity mm-hmm. issues, the wait, what, and what we didn't like. I only have two for this section. The first one, this is just like a wait, what, or yeah. kind of quirky. Yeah. Um, the Mallard 
that Eugene gives yeah. Louise for inspiration. Yeah. I'm like, there is nothing in this world that uninspires me more <laughs> than that mallard. And it I couldn't help thinking about that episode at in the office where Dwight oh my God. gives Jim yes. a mallard with a listening device in it. So he could that's all I could think about that when I saw so this. Funny. I almost was waiting for her to like check it and see a listening device. Because surely um, she watches the office. Right. And I'm like, why couldn't it be like a plant? Totally. Or a bouquet of flowers. Like yes. a mallard. Uh that was a little bit weird. Um, and then my second one was why does Elizabeth climb a ladder like that? <laughs> like, what the heck has she never climbed a ladder before? It's so true. It's so it true. Was, the over-exaggeration lost me just a little bit at that point. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. She played that so well. Like it was her <laughs> frustration. But yeah, it was a little tropey for sure. I think I just Louise and Eugene really bo- bothered me. Mm. Um, I don't know if you've noticed yet, Lala. Has Nelson Wong been in any other movies? Because he has a lot of the same roles, like these side small oh. roles in a plethora no, I, of Hallmark movies. I don't know. I can't recall if I've seen him before. Yeah. I was like, why, why, why this one? He's friends with Ron Oliver, who... Um, directs a lot of these he didn't direct this movie but he ron oliver directs a lot of the hallmark movies and so he just like gave nelson an in for these little parts in all these movies and i just felt like there was nothing there it felt very awkward the lines were awkward yes and like no chemistry between the two either yeah exactly and and why tilly the dog like why was tilly the dog in the movie posters and the dog had no (laughs) role like why even have a dog (laughs) um and I'm really disappointed at the flying otter that I can't go there and just order a key lime pie like I have to eat oysters and do oyster shots in order to get pie like but also I want to take this opportunity to ask if anyone knows where this shoot location was and is there like a really good seafood place to eat there because I would love to put that on our list (laughs) Uh, do you know where do do you recognize where this was filmed uh, I believe I looked it up. It's somewhere in BC, British Columbia. But you've so, never been. No, I've actually seen more of America than I've seen of Canada. <laughs> so I would love to, that's how beautiful it is that I would like love to go and be there in person. It was stunning mm-hmm. landscapes. But also, I know it was filmed in BC, but the setting was also supposed to be somewhere in the Washington Islands, which is very close to BC. Oh. Um, there's mm-hmm. a lot of islands around Washington State. Um, so again, I would love to visit. Tell me what to eat there. That's my whole reason for traveling is finding good food. But let's bring this to a close with our last segment of Jayo fighting happily ever after what we think happens after the movie and who we are rooting for. Okay, well, despite this interesting brother brother-in-law dating the same girl I still love Elizabeth and David together I'm rooting for them (laughs) I want to see their story unfold I think they have great chemistry but I want to see that the tension and like the growing pains she's becoming a new person he is also like he was a wandering soul so all of a sudden he's not traveling anymore like I know he wanted someone to ground him but 
you know, he's lived this whole different life. So I want to see them really fight for their love. I want to see the growing pains and ultimately like, I want to see their wedding. (laughs) (laughs) I love The wedding she never had with George. Oh, it's so true. Does she go with the same thing or does she go with the Neapolitan flavor cake? Um, (laughs) I, Hallmark really did their job well with this movie. This was one of those movies where I didn't even really want to pick it apart and I didn't want Mm. even necessarily to see their tension and humanness I'm like they just live happily ever after (laughs) they buy the house from their mom because it's a childhood home and oh my gosh gorgeous Mm. house I would love to own that home and they have children who live out their same childhood memories in an upgraded treehouse and David reads them Robin Hood with a friar tuck voice but they still travel so much as a family Mm. And the sequel is the love story of their daughter, so David and Elizabeth's daughter, who ends up falling in love with the son of the neighbors across the street. Except, except, so there's like scenes of like when they're younger, but then that family moves away and they actually reunite in adulthood in a foreign country as David and Elizabeth is traveling with their adult children still together. Oh my gosh, this is brilliant is hallmark you need to like start writing this i want to watch that right now it inspired me but not like the human side just be a cheery lighthearted background hallmark movie that would make me so happy (laughs) all right final thoughts any favorite quotes here lella um i oh you know what i did write a quote down hold on (gasps) okay well while you're looking i love that Louise said that she believes a soulmate is someone that inspires you to complete yourself. That felt like a good quote. I love that. I love what David says to Elizabeth. He said, small things are the big things. Good things only happen from all the tiny hundreds of steps you take along the way. I loved that. So good. This was a great movie. I I know. I have. It really was. More quotes. I just felt like they did such a good job. The writing was great. I think when David says it's okay to chase your own happiness, I just want to say mm. to that woman who's struggling with that, um, think fluffy eggs. It doesn't yeah. mean that you chasing your own happiness takes away from anyone else. And having a plan for happiness isn't the same as just being happy. Think fluffy eggs. Self-care is so important. Even finding those glimmers in your day and lingering in them is chasing your own happiness. Yeah. And our very last quote of the day, I feel like this is so profound. Someone needs to hear this today. Sometimes people around you aren't going to understand your journey and it's okay. They don't need to. It's not for them. So good. That's an amazing ending to this episode. We thank you for breaking script with us. Don't forget to check the show notes for the ways to watch and we will see you again next time. Bye. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving.